Welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry. It is written that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We invite you to study the scriptures with us, to learn about the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, the holy and anointed Lamb of God, the light of the world, the Savior of mankind. You can contact us with your questions and comments at covenantpeoplesministry.org or call us at 678-692-8870. You can also write to us at CPM Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. We look forward to hearing from you, and we pray that these messages of truth touch your lives. If you have been moved by these biblical teachings, please visit our forums online at covenantpeoplesministry.org and sign up to follow us on our YouTube channel, Covenant People. Thank you for joining us for another CPM broadcast. And now, here is our pastor, Jeremy Visser, with our next Bible study. Hello, dear friends, and thank you for joining me. I'm Pastor Visser, and I've titled tonight's lecture, A Better Covenant. And I'm sure, no doubt, you understand that under the New Testament, we are under a greater and a better covenant than the old. But many people are confused with who the people are that that covenant is made with. Is it anyone who believes? Is it anyone who opens their heart to Jesus? Well, those are answers that we will provide tonight. Most of what I'll be preaching this evening will be taken from Hebrews chapter 8. And we recently launched an all-new Pauline Epistle section at the Covenant People's Ministry webpage. So if you go to covenantpeoplesministry.org and you click under the audio section, you can find all of our most recent sermons on the Pauline Epistles. And today will be no different, in spite of the fact that many people will come in and dispute over the authorship of the book of Hebrews. It is my belief that Paul authored it, and that is based on the writing style, the structure, the terminology that is used within it. But nevertheless, today we're going to be looking at this better covenant, and more importantly, we're going to be looking at who that covenant is made with. So, the best place to begin is in Hebrews chapter 8, but right in the first verse. Paul says, Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest, who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Now, basically what Paul is saying in verse 1 of chapter 8 here in Hebrews is that everything that he teaches, leading up to this point, chapter 8, verse 1, is summed up right here in verse 1, and that is why we have begun in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1. Now, of all the things that Paul has spoken, this is the entirety, this is the sum. We, the Israelites, the Hebrews, and so forth, right? We have what? In high priest. Now, we could split hairs on who this high priest is, but in short, he is the high priest after the order of Melchizedek, meaning he truly is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, and the end. 
and Abraham recognized that when he saw Melchizedek. But there are many different priesthoods, the Phineas priesthood being one, the Melchizedek priesthood being another. And what we have, whether you're a Hebrew, a Gentile, or an Israelite, is an high priest. And that high priest is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, in the kingdom. And in short notice, that Paul is differentiating out the Father and the Son. While they are one, they are separate. This is considered elsewhere by Paul to be the mystery of godliness. But it's not a mystery to you and I. So everything that Paul is talking about, at least leading up to chapter 8, the sum of which is that we have this high priest. What else is he? Verse 2. A minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which Yahweh pitched, and not man. And that is a very, very valuable key for you and I, my friends. Because this tabernacle, that is Christ, and we abide within his body, and that becoming the church, as Paul taught in so many places, is not, quote-unquote, pitched by man. It's not built by man out of brick and mortar and cement. We need to get that down. And I have taught many times that every time Paul teaches on the terminology church, it is in regards to people, fulfilling what it is that Paul taught. Now, you and I, dear listener, we have a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle. And there's so much more that can be taught from this. Because Christ was considered Emmanuel God with us. That means that God tabernacled with us in Christ's form, in his visage, right? Yahshua would say, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Meaning, Yahweh God is spirit. We see Yahweh God in who? Christ. So we have a minister of the sanctuary. Another thing to consider is that when Yahshua made that ultimate sacrifice on the cross, what happened? The sky was darkened and the veil of the temple was rent in two. We now have a sanctuary. We have our own high priest. We must understand that. Under the Mosaic law, under the old covenant, we could say, it required a high priest. And a high priest was usually he who exercised judgment. And so, when a sinner would come to the high priest, he would bring his lambs, his turtle doves, his bullocks, etc. And the high priest would make a sin offering unto Yahweh God. And that is what Paul is going to contrast here in Hebrews chapter 8. While we have this minister of the sanctuary, of the true tabernacle, don't lose sight of the fact that the true tabernacle, <laughs> right, is one that Yahweh pitched, not man. Christ said, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And so it was with the Old Testament example. Yahweh God would dwell in what? Not necessarily buildings built with men's hands, but he would dwell within tents. He would dwell within rings of smoke and pillars of fire, even burning bushes. Yahweh God is spirit. Christ is flesh. And Christ is where now? He sat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty on high. Yahweh. Okay? 
Continuing on. Verse 3. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of a necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. Now this man, in reference, is our Redeemer, our kinsman Redeemer and Victor, Jesus Christ. And so, we must understand that if the law is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, then what is written in that Old Testament law, while it was fulfilled in Yahshua, meaning one-upped, and codified on the cross with his blood sacrifice, it is an example to lead you to Christ. That is why the Mosaic Law had an high priest do that and go within the holiest of holies, etc. And it was forbidden for the common folk. But now through Christ, what do we have? An high priest. An high priest that has sat down at the right hand of Yahweh God. And so, in order for you to really understand about this high priest that is ordained in the Old Testament, but yet was an archetype and a foreshadowing of Yahshua, turn with me to Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5, we learn in verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man will one die. But peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love towards us that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ dying for us means what? He was our high priest. He laid down that sin atonement. We didn't need a Levitical and or an Aaronic high priest to do it anymore. That is, under this quote-unquote better covenant. The new covenant. That ironically is made with the same exact people of the old. But before we get to that, turn over to Galatians. Chapter 2. Where we learn from Paul once more in verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, who could give that sacrifice but a high priest? And that is what Paul is saying. We have this minister of the sanctuary. And this sanctuary is the true tabernacle, meaning a lot of people down here aren't in the correct building of God. Because the building or the true tabernacle is one that Yahweh pitches, not man. You can build the biggest structures, my friends, with the biggest phallic symbol on top. And it doesn't impress Yahweh God, who's not a respecter of persons, right? That is why Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. Because God, who loved me, gave Himself for me, God, Yahshua Messiah. One more place to consider. In the letter of Paul to the Ephesians, chapter 5, we learn in verse 2, Paul commands us, Walk in love, as Christ also has loved us, and has given himself for an offering, and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. That's Paul basically saying that Yahshua became that sacrifice that the high priest once gave under the Mosaic Law. And so what we need to understand is that the law was not done away with. Paul continually taught the law, and he taught it here in Hebrews. 
In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, he goes back to the Pentateuch countless times for these examples of great faith. But that the blood rituals and the ordinances that once the Old Testament high priest had to make for Israelite sins, those are done away with. Those are fulfilled in Christ. That is fulfilled right here. Christ has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Meaning that not every sacrifice made under the Old Testament law was acceptable and or sweet-smelling. But moving on. Verse 4, back in Hebrews chapter 8. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law. Now, understand that point. There are still priests that offer sin atonement according to the Old Testament law. But today, if we were to go and crucify goats and he-goats and sheep and all of those things, it would be like crucifying Christ anew. It would be, in essence, denying his blood shed on Calvary. It would be denying what Paul says, that God, Yahweh, has given for himself us this offering. The sacrifice. So, remember that. It pleased Yahweh God to bruise the Son. And if he were on earth, he would not be a priest. So, Yahshua came to show you. And the law was meant to be a schoolmaster. This means, when Christ walked, when he taught, there were Israelites and Gentiles alike, some of which who would recognize him as the living word, as that coming redeemer, Spoken of by Isaiah, Ezekiel, and so many other prophets. And there were those that would wrestle with this mystery of godliness. Or the mystery of the gospel. As Paul would put it. But the point in case is that Yahshua came to earth. He was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect and sinless life. In fulfillment of that Mosaic law. And when he shed his blood on Calvary, that was for one and all time. We cannot go back to the old way of sin atonement. That doesn't mean we don't follow the law. That means the application and whose blood is shed for that sin is different. Now, when we sin under the new covenant, we're not responsible for a pigeon's blood, are we? We're responsible for Yahshua's blood, the only begotten of Yahweh God. A much stricter curse. So, bear that in mind. Verse 5 in Hebrews 8. Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For, see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. Or in the mountain. And Moses did as such. And there's much warring. Over that same temple, is there not? There are outlines within the Mosaic Law. Solomon fulfilled those in his building of the temple. Right? Yahweh God would say we must have scepters over here. We must have so many cherubs over this particular mercy seat. We must have a curtain separating out the holiest of holies and the holy holies and the common area. And all of those things. But what Paul is saying here is that Christ now is our high priest. And he is the minister of the true sanctuary. We now have access, direct access, to Yahweh God. So now, under the new covenant, under this better 
covenant, as Paul puts it. We can be anointed and covered by that blood of Yahshua, forgiven in short, or responsible for that blood. That is, if we are unrepentant. So, consider a quote as it is found in Colossians chapter 2. It is here where Paul says, beginning in verse 17, Which are the shadows of things to come, but the body is of Christ. What is? Now, what Paul is saying in Colossians is that no man should judge us in regard of meat, drink, but in particular, in respect of an holy day, new moons, or Sabbath. All of those are what? A shadow of things to come, according to Colossians 2.17. But the body is of Christ. That is a polite way of saying the church. Ephesians chapter 1 confirms that. Christ was anointed and appointed by Yahweh God to be the head of all things, which is the church, his body. So, all of those things, meat, drink, respect of an holy day, a new moon, or a Sabbath, are shadows of things to come. Christ fulfilled all of those as well. And perhaps this is a study for another day because I know many people want to argue over what day the Sabbath is or when the new moons come and all of those things. But what we need to understand is that Christ became our Sabbath. Christ became our tabernacle and or feast thereof. Christ became also our Passover at the crucifixion because he was crucified during the Passover weekend and at the exact moment when all the Passover lambs were crucified. Now, you have a choice. You want to go back to the old way, to the old covenant? Now, the old covenant was a precursor. Right here we learn that. So don't lose sight of that as well. But picking it back up in Hebrews chapter 8. But now, hath he, Yahshua, obtained a more excellent ministry? Stopping right there. More excellent than what in context? The Mosaic Law. Verse 5. Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make a tabernacle. Meaning, a tabernacle made with men's hands. It wasn't the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched, and not man, because that true tabernacle is spiritual. Therefore, Christ could make the claim, wherever two or more are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. Or Yahweh God could make the claim in the Old Testament by saying, I would rather dwell in a tent than in a building built with men's hands. So, remember the point. Christ obtained a more excellent ministry than Moses. Moses had a ministry. But it was a pattern, a schoolmaster. Now, the moralistic things that are forbidden by Yahweh God, that are outlined as sin, are still in effect. Again, let me reiterate that in teaching on the better covenant. But the application, how we repent, correct? How we repent, we don't go and sacrifice animals. Yahweh God, or Yahshua, is not an animal. <laughs> Perhaps I should oversimplify that, but, okay, Christ laid down for one and all time. And in that process, not only did he sit down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, meaning the very right hand of Yahweh God, but in that process, he obtained a more excellent ministry. Continuing on in verse 6, here in Hebrews chapter 8, by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. Now, perhaps we better really look at this terminology. 
the covenant or the testament, the promise that Yahweh God made with his people under the new is much better and preferable than the old, in spite of all these things that we covered, holy days, Sabbath, etc. Those are all outlined in the Pentateuch. They're outlined in the law, and they're good to observe in certain regards. But above them all, we better understand the better promises are made in Christ. Christ says he will set free the captives. Christ says you will know the truth. The truth will set you free. Now, the biggest way the devil can hold us in bondage is through our own sin. And I don't know how much more I could stress that. But once we sin, right? Once we play the homosexual or miscegenate our royal priesthood, then we have a dog in the fight. Then suddenly we are defending sin. And therefore, we must understand Christ can set you free of those things. Why? He has a more excellent ministry than the law. That should be common sense. But because Christian identity is pronomian, because we tell you that the law will be forever, just as Christ taught, until heaven and earth pass, not one jot nor tittle shall pass from the law. Because we tell you that, many people label us as a works-based doctrine. We are saved by grace, and Paul more than anyone else would know that. So, Christ obtained a more excellent ministry, how? By living a sinless life and by being crucified. So you and I would have not only a mediator sat down at the right hand of Yahweh God, but access to God himself, right? Who does the judging in Yahshua's parable? Who does the judging in the book of Revelation when Yahshua returns on the white horse? (laughs) So, many things to consider. What Paul is teaching in Hebrews 8 can be considered dark and cryptic. A quote-unquote dark saying, like many of the Proverbs, but it's not. The sum total of everything he teaches in Hebrews, at least at the beginning, is that we have a high priest. He's at the right hand. He's our mediator. Who is yours? Who is yours? Very simple question. Should it be he? who has an excellent ministry and became the mediator of a better covenant, meaning that when Yahshua shed his blood, that promise, that covenant, that last will and testament, or New Testament, we could say, was signed, sealed, and delivered. He signed it with his blood, right? And that sacrifice was for who? Yahweh God or for you and I? Are you grateful for that sacrifice? Are you grateful that Yahshua freed you from those otherworldly and, I might add, corrupted high priests? Because a majority of them were. And that is confirmed by books like Obadiah and Malachi. That the priests were in the high temple and they would, for example, sell mite-infested doves and disease sacrifices to the highest bidder. This is why Yahshua would go into the temple of Jerusalem and overturn those same money changers and their tables. So, many things to consider. We're going to take about a one-minute break. I would like you, if you can, to take a pencil, write down this information. If Yahweh God leads you to support this ministry, because we truly desire and solicit your support. So, I'll be back with you in about a minute. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry broadcast. 
If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship, be sure to write to us at CPM Post Office Box 256 Brooks, Georgia 30205. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.org where you will find direct access to our extensive selection of audio sermons. You can also listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast on your mobile audio devices. Our sermons and videos are made possible by your tithes and offerings. If you wish to support this ministry, please make your checks or money orders payable to Covenant People's Ministry or use the donate button on our website to use PayPal. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all, so we hope that you will allow him to lead your life. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply his words to your lives. It has been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. Thank you so much for rejoining me, brothers and sisters. Before the break, we left off on the point that Paul was making. And that is, that Moses was technically an example of the heavenly things, quote-unquote, to come. And that is because Yahshua is sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Okay? So, what do we need to understand is many things. And I believe Paul really makes the point here. After, he says in verse 6, that Christ obtained a more excellent ministry, and after he says he is now the mediator of a better covenant, no matter how you look at it, because it was established on better promises, he gives us a key. He says in verse 7, For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second covenant. Now, here in a moment, I'm going to prove to you who the first and the second covenant was made with. Now, there's many covenants in Scripture. Adamic, Davidic, even one made with Sarah and Ishmael and several other people like that. But understand, there's technically two covenants. The old one, that is the Mosaic Law, and the new one, that is the New Testament. And Paul says, if the first covenant had been faultless, meaning foolproof, If that had been a blueprint for salvation, then Yahweh God wouldn't have sought a second covenant. Now, we're not going to split hairs on who the covenants are made with. The false prophet comes in and they'll tell you, well, that second covenant's made with everybody and the first covenant is made with the Jews. And both of those are erroneous. We're going to prove that this evening. But if the first covenant had been faultless, then there wouldn't be a new covenant. And if the law would have been a blueprint for salvation, then Christ wouldn't have had to descend into the bowels of the earth to set free the captives, right? They could have just worked out their own salvation. But it wasn't sufficient then. It is now. It is now. Therefore, Paul gives you this key. He says, the first covenant wasn't faultless. It wasn't perfect. It was a blueprint. But everything pertaining to sin atonement, everything dealing with blood rituals is done away with now in Christ. In Exodus chapter 3, we learn in verse 8, I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good land and of a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites. And the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, 
and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. So it wasn't sufficient then. Yahweh God saw the affliction of his people. He heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. And Yahweh God understood their sorrows. And he came down to deliver them. All of this that we cover is what? An example. An example to lead you to Christ. And Exodus chapter 19 verse 5. Moses says, Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, Then you shall be a particular treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. A polite way of saying an holy race. That Paul would say, we are in a royal priesthood, a peculiar people and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, Yahweh speaking to Moses. So, All the way back then, there were shadows of a coming Redeemer. And that this promise, this covenant that was made, was temporary. Otherwise, Isaiah would not have to say, unto us a child is born. There would not be any Messianic prophecies at all. So, Paul is explaining the first covenant wasn't perfect. It's a guideline for morality, not a blueprint for salvation. Then, Yahweh God would have not sought The second covenant. And then, he says in verse 8, back in Hebrews chapter 8, for finding fault with them, stopping right there. Who? Who's to them? The Israelites. The men, women, and children of Yahweh God. You and I. The reason Yahweh God brings in the new covenant and or the second better covenant is because he found fault with the Israelites of old. Under the Mosaic law. It wasn't sufficient then. And Yahweh God confirmed that. What is Paul quoting? Well, let's complete the entire verse. For finding fault with them, the Israelites, he, Yahweh God, saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Now, right there, Paul is telling you who both covenants are made with. The house of Israel, meaning race, and the house of Judah who is also a tribe of Israel, but a nation unto their own. Now, this is a direct quote. Many people love to split hairs and say Paul brought a new way. But did he really? Turn with me over to Jeremiah for a much-needed and very valuable second witness as to what Paul is teaching right here. In the 31st chapter of Jeremiah, in the 31st verse, very important and easy-to-remember passage, Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-one. Behold, the days come, saith Yahweh, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Stopping right there. Not according to that covenant I just took you to. Back in Exodus chapter 3 verse 8. That was temporary. This is your second witness. Paul is quoting Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31 through 34. Here in Hebrews chapter 8. Paul didn't teach a new way. He taught the Old Testament. And the Old Testament prophet, Jeremiah, a prophet to Judah, I might add, says what? 
in its entirety. Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days come, saith Yahweh, I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, only, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. Although I was an husband unto them, saith Yahweh, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. Stopping right there. This is the covenant. And it's only made with the house of Israel and Judah's comprised of that, right? They're part of the house of Israel. What is it? After those days, says Yahweh, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God. And they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, No, Yahweh, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, saith Yahweh, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. Who is that? That's Christ. Remember, Yahweh says, after those days, in the coming days, from the time this was written, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people, the Israelites. But no one's going to be going around after Christ saying, No, Yahweh, for they'll all know me in Yahshua. Which is why he would say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, and why his very name means, Emmanuel, God with me. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith Yahweh, I, Yahweh, will forgive their iniquity. Christ did that on Calvary. And I, Yahweh speaking, will remember their sin no more. Christ did that on Calvary. That is what Paul is teaching. So back in Hebrews chapter 8, for finding fault with them, he saith, In Jeremiah chapter 31, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not. Some manuscripts say I disregarded them, or divorced them, saith Yahweh. Now I want you to notice Paul, right there, is giving a direct quote of what we covered. Almost verbatim. So it carries over from the Old Testament into the New. So Paul is teaching the Old Testament. But he's also teaching a difference between the covenants. Right? And we can get confused on that. Because testament also means covenant. But as a book, what is written in Leviticus and Deuteronomy still applies. But how we are forgiven of the sin, meaning our transgression of that same Mosaic law, is different now. It is through this mediator. That is why Yahweh God said all the way back in Jeremiah's time, I'll make a new covenant. The first wasn't sufficient. It was temporary. Because it was made in the field by Yahweh God in the day that he took the Israelites out. Literally, by the hand with kitten gloves, under the leadership of Moses and Aaron and Miriam, and led them out of captivity. So it was truly a schoolmaster. So, in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, Paul continues, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind. Stopping right there. Mind and heart mean the same thing in the Greek. And we, as this royal priesthood, as the chosen men, women, and children of Yahweh God, 
have the spirit of Yahweh God imparted unto us. That is a gift that he gave unto Adam in the very beginning. And so, we have the law written in our heart. In short, what I'm getting to is we have a conscience. That's what separates us from the rest of the unbelieving world. It's also what makes us judges and rulers in our own right. It gives us the edge, this moral compass that Yahweh God breathes within us, which is his own spirit. Now we see Yahweh in flesh form, in the form of Christ. Christ is grace, and Paul teaches that more than anyone else. But what we're learning right here is a direct quote from Jeremiah. He reiterates it in Hebrews chapter 10, but in verse 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith Yahweh. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. And their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Paul says right here, at least in Hebrews 10, where remission of these sins are under Christ, there can be no offering for sin like there was under the Old Testament. Very important to understand. Paul is confirming here in Hebrews chapter 8 that Jeremiah was fulfilled in Yahshua. The same quote where God says, I will take away their sins and I will remember them no more. Christ did that, my friends. Christ did that. And then he even continues quoting Jeremiah in verse 11. Paul says in Hebrews 8, 11, They shall not teach every man his neighbor. And every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, or know Yahweh, for all shall know me, from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, or their lawless deeds, some manuscripts read that, and their sins and their iniquities, I will remember no more. Paul is basically telling you that was fulfilled in Yahshua. Because Yahshua became an high priest. While he is separate from God, he is a part of God. He sat down at the right what hand of Yahweh God. So, Paul taught that Christ was one with God. He taught there was one church, one body, one baptism. That everything was one in Scripture. So, the part in Jeremiah where Paul says that Yahweh says, I will be merciful. To the unrighteous should remind you of a quote that we find in Romans. In Romans chapter 11, we learn in verse 27. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. Now he says that right after he points out that all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Jacob is a polite way of saying the Israelite people. So out of Zion comes who? A deliverer, that mediator, that high priest, who is Yahshua. Now, in teaching on this better covenant, I don't want you to lose sight of the fact that we are saved by grace, and that grace has imparted us through faith, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. But Paul is saying, all of these things are fulfilled, just like I took you here to Romans. In the day that we learn that out of Zion shall come a deliverer, 
For this is my covenant. I, Yahweh God speaking, shall take away their sins. So it is here. It is fulfilled. Jeremiah in Christ. Final verse. That is verse 13. In that he saith, a new covenant he hath made, the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxes old is ready to vanish away. Now we should be ready for the Old Testament to pass away, at least in that regard. Now remember, the Old Testament has many prophecies. When I'm talking about the law, just like Paul is here, he's talking about five books of Moses. In fact, he even brings Moses up. The Pentateuch. And how it is truly a schoolmaster. And we should understand that based on Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, right? Enmity placed between the two seas. And a precursor of Yahshua. The very first gospel. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, but verse 17. Therefore... If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now I bet you thought you could only apply that on a personal level. But notice how we can apply that right here. To the testament or the law. The old covenant. It was flawed. It was flawed in that the coming Redeemer had not been foretold. In so much as we had the proto-gospel. Right, And many people will dispute that Moses wrote Genesis chapter 3. But be that as that is likely a study for another day. What we're covering right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. Teaches that if we're to be in Christ, we have to be a new creature. Old things have to pass away. That includes the application of sin atonement under the Old Testament law. Now the covenant is made with the same as the old. Under both testaments. As it was in Jeremiah's time, Paul confirms that. Behold, the days cometh, and those days had come. Paul says it was fulfilled right here in Hebrews chapter 8. That I will make a new covenant, a better covenant a better covenant than the one that was made with Moses. Now, in many ways, what I'm preaching this evening should be common sense. We should understand that the covenant that Christ brought is far superior to that temporary covenant that was made between the Israelites of old that were unruly back then and the eternal covenant that we have now. What I mean by this is under the Mosaic Law, if we sinned, if we transgressed God's law, we would find an earthly high priest if they were available. They or the sinner would supply the sacrifice and the sacrifice would be made. And that sinner would go away and he would usually be unclean until evening. But he had no guarantee. That's the point. We have a guarantee. Christ's blood was sufficient, number one. But it was well-pleasing. It was a pleasant savor, as we've covered this evening, to Yahweh God. Therefore, Yahweh God is well-pleased, is he not? In fact, when Christ was baptized by John in the River Jordan, the sky opened up and a voice was heard audibly. What did it say? This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well-pleased. My point is, the sinners under the Old Testament didn't know if they were pleasing to Yahweh God. 
They only knew that they had a chance of their sins being forgiven them. We have the blessed assurance of our sins being forgiven us under the New Testament. And that is why it is a better covenant. And why I'm bringing you this study today titled just that. A better covenant. What covenant do you want? Do you want to go back to the old covenant? Well, Christ has a more excellent ministry. He's the mediator of the new covenant. Meaning he directs, he leads. Just as he taught. Now, his sheep recognize him and will follow, right? Moreover, he is known by them. We know our shepherd. We'll follow him. Therefore, we must understand, he is the mediator of the New Testament, but so also will there be Israelite men, women, and children, and many Gentiles, that prefer to go back under this flawed Old Testament example. So, in teaching this, do not mistake what I'm saying. The law is eternal. It is a schoolmaster. It is meant to bring you to Christ. And it outlines God's morality. Christ taught it in the New Testament. He taught all Ten Commandments in addition to adding some of his own. So, Christ also said at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 19, that until heaven and earth will not one jot, not one tittle, shall in no wise pass from the law. Meaning the law does not go away. We are still responsible for violating that law. But now, under the better covenant, we're responsible for that blood. You can have your sins washed away by that blood, or you can be like the Jews and say, let his blood be upon us and our children forever. But there is a consequence that goes with that, my friend. So I hope today's study in the entirety of Hebrews chapter 8 has helped you. Because I truly believe that in preaching the Pauline epistles and proving how many times Paul taught the Old Testament or said that this particular prophecy, like Jeremiah today, was fulfilled in Christ, it gives us a valuable second witness. And it also helps to expose the so-called Paul bashers, those that have issue with what Paul taught. Today, what we covered in Hebrews chapter 8 was not contradictory to anything Christ, Jeremiah, or Paul taught in his other apostles, right? And today we went to Romans, Galatians, I took you back to Ephesians, to prove that those that seek to do lawless deeds, that seek to be in a perpetual state of iniquity, usually will outwardly and hypocritically have a show of faith. But nine times out of ten, usually always desire to be drugged back under that old covenant. So don't let any man judge you in regard of these things, meats, holy days, holy moons, etc. They're all fulfilled in Yahshua because Yahshua is the be-all, end-all. There is no other covenant to be made. All the promises are made, right? And we tend to lose sight of that because we think of the marriage supper of the Lamb and there being world without end, amen. That's already promised us. See, that's the point. The new covenant, this better covenant, is the final covenant. It is the most complete. So, in today's preaching, understand, Christ is the fulfillment of that Old Testament law because of his blood that was shed. All the law is still in effect. It is still meant to be followed. And how we now repent of our transgressions is different. Go after the better covenant, my friends. And don't allow any man to tell you, Paul is not to be trusted. 
Paul confirms the Old Testament and wrote 80% of the New. So when it comes to this better covenant, this better new covenant that is made with the house, meaning race of Israel and the house of Judah, it is better. That's all I need say. Until next time, this is Pastor Visser from Brooks, Georgia and the Covenant People's Outreach and Ministry wishing you and yours great studies. War for Christ. Amen. Covenant People's Ministry. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have enjoyed studying with us. Remember the words that Christ has given, that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We hope that you will gather together with us at the online ministry's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.org, and share your Christian testimonies, or ask questions and enjoy biblical fellowship. You can also order CDs of Pastor Visser's Bible study lessons and enjoy many other Christian resources through the church's website. If you would like to write to us, send your comments and queries to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205, or reach us by telephone at 678-692-8870. We thank you for your prayers and offerings, and we pray that all of you have been touched by these messages, and continue to share the words of the gospel with your friends and family. Thanks again, and may the love of Christ abide in you and yours forever and ever. Amen.